Good morning, New Heights, and welcome to all of you who are joining us online. This is Family Sunday, and it's a special service that we do a couple of times a year to highlight just how important family is to the life of our church and to equip us to invest in the precious children and young adults that God has entrusted to us. In New Heights, we believe that children are whole people. They're not almost people or future people, but they are a vital part of the kingdom of God now. So to all you kids that are at home watching, know that we love you and we think you're awesome. And the reason that I'm speaking today on Family Sunday is because I'm a perfect parent and I've raised perfect children. Uh, yeah, right. If you believe that, I have some real estate that I want to sell you. Uh, but seriously, I have two teenagers and one preteen at home, and I love being a dad. It's challenging and it's wonderful at the same time. And if you're a parent listening this morning, I know that you're hoping that I'm going to tell you some things to help you raise kids who know and follow Jesus with everything they have, and I hope to. But before I do, let me just say that I get how hard it is right now for families. Trying to keep your kids healthy and safe, trying to figure out how to do school, just trying to survive in this weird year. But as challenging as this season is, it's also a season of opportunity. Our kids need us. They need our example. They need our prayers. This is a time to press in, not pull back. The pandemic doesn't cancel out our calling to disciple our kids. It's actually an opportunity for them to see the church being the church, the people of God living faithfully in the midst of difficulty. In the middle of so much change around us, we have to remember that God's heart and his ways have not changed. He desires that spiritual life and blessings flow down generational lines. And he wants us to be faithful to pass on spiritual legacy. And more than ever, we need revival and renewal. Amen? And if, if we're going to see a move of God in our time, we've got to figure out the family. We have to figure out how to make our families incubators, greenhouses for the kingdom of God to grow. And if you're listening and you're not married or you don't have kids, as you listen, I want you to think about how do I leave a spiritual legacy to the young around me and specifically to the children of this church? And we're not just talking about passing on moralism to our kids, but passion. We have to get underneath their hearts to free will spiritual affection for God and others. Amen? So how do we get there? How do we partner with God in discipling our kids? Well, as the saying goes, it takes a village. And, and this is consistent with what we see in Scripture. God commanded the Israelites to include their children in all of the feasts and festivals that commemorated his awesome character and deeds. And the whole community was to feel the weight of passing on spiritual legacy. Psalm 78.4 is a clear expression of this. It says, We will not hide them from our descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. We'll tell his stories, they say. We'll speak to our kids of who God is and what he's doing. And throughout the Bible, God was building a long game vision into his people. When the law was given to Israel, we read in Deuteronomy 6.2, so that you, your children, and your children after them may fear the Lord, your God, as long as you live by keeping all of his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. So your children and your children's children, this is the long game. 
And in the next verses, in Deuteronomy 6, we see God directing families to be super intentional to ensure the long game. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. So at home, on the road, when you lie down, this is basically everywhere. The Israelites were to have holistic practices built into their family culture to facilitate holistic discipleship. And these passages in Deuteronomy are what theologians call hinge passages, not just because they contain the Shema, which is a declaration of who God is, but they're a hinge because if they get this right, so much good will come. But if they get it wrong, it's a disaster. And if you know Israel's history, there were seasons where they got it right and the kingdom of God flourished and it expanded. But then we read Judges 2.10 and it says, after that whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. And after this, it says that, that the people, they abandoned the Lord and they bowed down to the gods of the people around them. I mean, can you imagine this? I mean, if I'm honest, it seems kind of shocking to me that in just one generation, the people of God just abandon the Lord and get spiritually swallowed up by the surrounding culture. But that hinge that we talked about a minute ago, where the stories of God, that spiritual baton that's supposed to be intentionally passed on, well, it seems that Israel dropped the baton and a generation walked away. And if that story doesn't serve as a kind of wake-up call for the church today, the next statistic should. Dave Kinneman and the Barna Research Group through their studies, are predicting that 64% of this generation will walk away from God in their 20s unless the church gets some urgency to close that gap. So short of a move of God and his people of renewal and revival, things don't look so good. But as, as you're letting that sink in, let me say by faith that I don't believe that this has to be the future of the church. I believe the wind of the Spirit is blowing in our day and age to bring renewal. And we just need to put up our sails and catch the wind. And the renewal that I'm talking about is a renewed call to discipleship. Holistic discipleship for individuals, for families, and for our local church. And you might want to write this down. For the future church to thrive, discipleship must be stronger than cultural formation. We cannot just give up and capitulate to the powers of our time. Amen? I mean, I used to think I don't want to force spirituality down my kids' throats, and I still don't think that forcing is a good idea, but I can't be naive. Our world is working overtime to indoctrinate our kids with the brands, the worldviews, the ideologies of a world system away from God. It's being pumped down our children's throats. Everyone is trying to impress a vision on our kids. And we have a God-given responsibility to take the beauty of Jesus and do everything we can creatively do to make it come alive in our children's hearts, at home, on the road, on our walls, everywhere. Amen? 
I mean, one hour of church on Sunday and going to youth group is as amazing as Noah and our youth ministry team are. Those things alone are not enough to win the hearts of the next generation. Our families have to get creative and follow the Spirit's lead to create an ecosystem of holistic discipleship for our kids, going after their hearts, using practices, traditions, rites of passage, whatever we can to help them bring them in to the Christian story. In other words, we need to take family discipleship seriously. And I love that I'm a part of a church where our children's and youth and college pastors, they get it. Charity, Brad, Noah, Chad, they're passionate about this. And their desire is to partner with our families to help our kids to grow spiritually. And after today's message, if you want family discipleship resources, please email Brad and Charity. And as your spiritual formation and equip pastor, my passion is to help us to establish a culture of holistic discipleship at New Heights, to equip us all to understand how growth in Christlikeness actually happens. And when I said earlier that I'm encouraged that the wind of the Spirit is blowing at New Heights, I mean that I see God helping us to develop a conscious formational pathway for our upcoming generations, from kids to college and beyond. Equipping our people to have a clear path of spiritual formation is so important because one of the common things that I've heard from all sorts of Christians over the years is that they really don't understand discipleship. Like, it's a big mystery how people grow spiritually, how we're formed or not formed to become like Christ. And along with that, I hear this idea, I can't make disciples because I was never discipled myself. So, We're working hard to demystify discipleship at New Heights. And one practical way that we're doing this is developing curriculum and content in our equip classes to help us to better understand personal apprenticeship to Jesus and how we make disciples. And right now, I would love to give you a sneak peek into a new teaching series that we're writing that will become a full-blown set of equip classes and study materials that we're going to offer this coming spring. So... So let's demystify discipleship a little bit. Jesus, through his life and teaching, by calling himself the way, gave us a reliable path to life in the kingdom. And in studying our Lord's life and teaching, we see four essential components, kind of like the four legs of a chair, that lead to formation in Christlikeness. And our new equip series, which we're hoping will become a Discovery 2.0 that the whole church goes through, will be a deep dive into those four components. So let me just whet your appetite. Here's a diagram that maps them out. The first is immersing God's story. This is about knowing the big story from Genesis to Revelation, understanding our place in it, and living lives not by the world's narratives, but by the narratives that Jesus lived by. And then practice spiritual disciplines. Jesus lived a life of intimacy with the Father and dependency on the Holy Spirit that fueled his life and mission. And a key part of personal discipleship and formation is practicing the things that Jesus did, adopting his overall lifestyle, and then participate in God's community. Jesus intentionally surrounded himself with others, and we will grow the best to be like him in the context of community. And then follow the Holy Spirit in daily life. Again, Jesus modeled a life of dependency on the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit. And to be his apprentices, we need to learn to do the same. 
So this is just a fast preview into our strategy for becoming disciples and making disciples at New Heights. And I hope it excites you. I believe that God is solidifying a culture of discipleship in us that will have far-reaching effects. And I love what Mark Sayers, the Australian pastor and cultural commentator, says about the impact a renewal of discipleship can have. He writes, all of us are called to walk the process of renewal called discipleship. Stepping into personal renewal that God wishes for us is the surest lever for influencing a church, a family, or an organization toward his purposes. So let me repeat the big practical walk away here for us on this Family Sunday. The surest lever for influencing your family towards God's purposes is you experiencing the personal renewal of discipleship. I cannot stress enough that the greatest resource and influence on our kids for Christ is having parents and grandparents who are vibrant Christ followers themselves. Before your child ever learns to read a Bible, they will read you. And the discipleship principle here is that our spiritual health overflows to our kids. And that's why we have to take our own apprenticeship to Jesus seriously. We need to have a healthy spiritual diet, like I diagrammed a second ago, about immersing in God's story, practicing spiritual disciplines, participating in God's community, and following the Holy Spirit in our daily life. And we want our kiddos to catch the overflow of that. These things are caught as much as they're taught, which challenges me as a dad, and it should challenge all of us to ask, what do people catch when they're around me? I mean, what's coming off my life? Are there things that have crept in that the world tolerates, but God doesn't? Or am I seen as a person of convictions, of contrasts, a person of passion for God? These are important questions. Okay, what I want to do now is I want to give you a few specific principles that are big values for Marla and I in our home. And these are things that a lot of you are probably already doing. And the first is to spend time. I mean, this sounds simple, but it's so challenging in our fast-paced, crazy culture where so many people give so much time to running around for this activity or that activity, and when it all adds up, it competes with our calling to invest time into the things that help build spiritual legacy. Connecting back to Deuteronomy 6, those passages we looked at earlier, Those passages assume a natural rhythm of the home where we'll actually be in the house together, where we'll walk by the way together. And this challenges us to think about our decisions of how we will prioritize and spend our time. What activities will facilitate us being together so that we can talk about the things of God? So as Christian parents, we are going to have to do some math that other parents aren't doing when it comes to scheduling and activities. Asking, is our activity level helping or hurting our family? And and you're thinking about ways to be countercultural? Well, family dinner together may be one of the most countercultural things you can do. As as we prioritize it in my home, we find that it's a place where we regularly have spiritual conversations and they usually happen naturally as we talk about our day or the books that we're reading, or what's happening around the world. Okay, a second value of ours is to live real. What I mean is that we talk about what's really going on in our hearts, our joys, our fears, our struggles, and our overwhelming need for Jesus. 
We're trying to raise kids who understand vulnerability, empathy, and connection. Thank you, Joshua Center. (laughs) This is one of those areas that Marla and I are being discipled in, and it's overflowing to our kids as we disciple them. And we also make a point of apologizing when we get it wrong, to ask our kids forgiveness and to let them know that mom and dad need Jesus too. (laughs) Are my kids nodding their heads right now? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Another vital part of keeping it real is letting our kids know that we need God to continue to transform our hearts too. We've not arrived. We're on the journey moving towards Jesus and being formed year by year just like they are. And we even try to bring them into our own stories of formation. Like, for example, how dad used to be a selfish jerk, but by God's grace and power, I'm not that person anymore. We want them to see that we are real people and we have a real Savior walking through life with us. And that leads me to the third value, create wonder. As parents, we want to train our kids' eyes to see God present with us. This is not just an abstract religion of old stories and rules. I want my kids to be like, wow, God is active and he's doing stuff in us and around us and through his people. His power is real. So we take every opportunity to show them where God is showing up, how he listens, he answers prayer, and he cares about the details of our lives. And we talk about where he's moving in his church, how lives are being changed, and how people are sacrificial and generous. And my prayer is that they will experience a community of people that will become like a great cloud of witnesses that they can look back on years from now as they're surrounded by a compromised culture, and they can say they lived differently. They took Jesus seriously. I saw too much growing up, and I can't deny that God exists. Amen? All right. I'm excited that now you guys get to hear from Alden and Heather Napier, a family at New Heights, trying their best to live all of this out. So I'm Alden Napier, and this is my wife, Heather Napier, and we live in Fayetteville with our five adorable and zany children. They, uh, we have Noel, who's 10, Ethne, who's 7, Max, who's 5, uh, Nora, who is 3 now, and Caleb, who's 1. In a conversation with our, one of our children yesterday, uh, she was really excited to share about Cain and Abel and how awful Cain was. And two minutes before that, she had just been saying, I'm so mad at my sister because she didn't turn her clothes right side out. And I'm not doing it. And she said, it's not fair. And so I looked at her, and she knew it's coming. (laughs) And I said, I bet Cain's problem was he just had one small thought of, it's not fair. And then that thought grew and grew. So you and I, we can be Cain real quick. And she began to cry. And she said, Mom, I don't like that. And I said, I don't either. But what I do like is that Jesus disciplines those whom he loves. And so this is a moment where you can know that he loves you because he's called out something in you that needs to change. And Mommy struggles with the same thing. And I said, do you want to pray? And she said, yes. I think what we keep on learning 
is that everyday moments will be the best opportunities for discipleship with your kids. Um, and that uh, it's not something to be outsourced. I continued to think, somebody needs to teach these kids. <laughs> and then I have to remember, oh, that's me. That's my job. I get to teach them. So we want to constantly take the opportunities to remind them of God's faithfulness, remind them of his word and how it is an everyday word, not just something for Bible study or um, scripture memory or any of those things that it's applicable all the time. Our three-year-old prays, Jesus, make me kind and compassionate. And that's Ephesians 4.32. So um, our Max gets really terrified and we remind him, that God goodness. didn't give us a spirit of fear. Yeah. But power and love and a sound mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when he's afraid of our massive dog. He's <laughs> just a big polar bear. Yeah. Um, I, I know that one of, the, one of the big things that has been impressed upon me and one of the things that I see Heather exemplify consistently has been uh, time with the Lord. Um, so setting aside, we love our little puppy dog clock that has a red light and green light where the kids know if it's red, do not get out of bed because mom's having some sacred time in the morning. When it turns green, you can come downstairs. But, you know, until then, mom's having some sacred time. And, and that really fuels Heather and gives her the motivation uh, throughout the day to invest in the kiddos, um, which has been a, a, a good example to me. Um, I think another thing that's been really helpful for us has been the, the scripture memory. Um, throughout the day, throughout our home, throughout our our weeks, everyday Mm -hmm. moments. Mm -hmm. That has been a real consistent reminder that we use, I think, uh, pretty consistently when we're repenting to our kids. So daddy's sorry. He's been speaking sharply. I I know um, harsh words stir up anger. anger. And so I should tell you, I'm, I'm sorry, um, God's kindness leads us to repentance and I'm not expressing that. Mm-hmm. So those have been real critical things. Um, and then I, I, we encourage our kids, as, as Heather was saying, to remember, to be reminded of God's word, to be reminded of his actions. And so conversations that happen pretty consistently in our home have to do with what is the Lord doing? And we look at our current news cycle, we look at the current context, we look at just relationships in our home that are fragile at times and we go, oh man, this is hard. What's the Lord doing? And it would be really hard. It would be really easy to just gripe. But instead, we've been encouraged by mentors in our life to uh, look at and notice what the Lord is doing and talk about it in our home and say, okay, where have we seen God show up where man man wouldn't? Where have we seen him inject himself, uh, be very personal and tangible to us um, uh, in, in ways that man couldn't. And so having those conversations consistently have helped us remember what the Lord is doing. Um, and we've seen our kids go back to those moments. Uh, and we want them to have, as they grow, an overwhelming body of evidence to point back to and say, I mean, I know these people are saying I shouldn't believe in God, but I guess I've seen him work so much. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So each night we pray uh, with our kids, First Chronicles 16, 8 through 11. It's also Psalm 105, but it, it reminds us to say, to, to make known his deeds uh, among the people. And tell of, his tell of all his wondrous works. We say a lot, you know, Lord help. <laughs> but we also say, hey, church help, and we invite people in. So we've been so grateful for 
the kids' Zoom Bible studies on Thursday nights and back porch scripture memory and coffee with friends, uh, you know, out in the front yard talking about what the Lord's Mm -hmm. doing and inviting them to invest in our family. So we want our kids to notice. We want them to notice His Word. We want them to notice um, His work. And as they do that, to be compelled by His motives, to be compelled by His Word to act on behalf of others uh, in our home and outside of our home. I think to stand in awe of Him as yeah. well. Yeah. And, and what He is doing and what He has done so that they have stones of remembrance that they can point back to and say, He is real, I have seen Him, I know Him. Man, praise God for their testimony and for everything that they're working toward in their family. All right, as we're wrapping up, let me just remind us of a simple truth. Our kids are on a journey, and we can do a lot to disciple them. We can do it. And at the same time, God can do immeasurably more, more than we can imagine. And that's why the power of prayer gives me so much hope. I had two praying grandmas who I believe literally prayed me into the kingdom. So let's take some time to pray right now for our kids and for a culture of discipleship to grow in our hearts and homes and church. So Heavenly Father, help us to remember that our kids are on a journey and that you are and will continue to pursue their hearts. And we ask you to continue to draw them to yourself and help us all to grow in our own commitment to discipleship so that the life of God in us overflows to our kids and to all the kids around us. Empower us as a church to be true disciples who affect generations. And I pray for all of us to be renewed in the wonder of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thank you so much, church, for joining us. We invite you today to take communion. Pray for someone. Call someone up. Pray for them. Bless them. Whatever it looks like for you today to be the hands and feet of Jesus, we invite you to say yes to that. We speak blessing and favor over you today as you jump into this new week. We love you so much. See you, church.